T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. It was the worst day in the history of the FDNY. On 9-11, 343 members were killed at the World Trade Center. But the legacy of that day is very much about the lives lost since the terror attacks and those who were sickened. For the 10 months that followed, firefighters and EMTs worked valiantly and selflessly at Ground Zero to save lives and recover the victims. Those who were there first and stayed the longest were members of the New York City Fire Department. In the days after the terror attacks, 15,000 firefighters and EMTs responded to Ground Zero. We had 11,300 and 50 people with at least one certified condition. And most people have more than one certified condition. The collapse of the Twin Towers led to a storm of pulverized concrete, steel, and other debris. WCBS reporter Peter Haskell described the scene on September 12th. Walking down uh, very much closer to Ground Zero, it's uh, perhaps two inches of soot on the ground, and you work your way through, and you consider the debris you see on the ground was uh, just 26 hours ago in someone's office, papers on death. More than 21 years later, the fire department's death toll from 9-11, 343, will soon be surpassed by the death toll from 9-11-related illnesses. If the past predicts the future, which it almost always does, uh, within two years, we will be over the 343. Some believe it will happen more quickly. This week on the 880 In-Depth Podcast, the health impact of the 9-11 attacks on the FDNY. Welcome to 880 In-Depth. I'm Michael Wallace. Of the 11,000 FDNY employees with World Trade Center illnesses, there are 3,000 people with cancer. That means one in five department responders developed at least one cancer. Some had more than one. The department tracks these cases, and the study and research has actually improved outcomes. Our World Trade Center Health Program members with cancer have longer survival rates than New York State population data for non-World Trade Center-related cancers. A little later, we'll look at the World Trade Center Health Program and the 118,000 people enrolled. They breathed in the same toxic chemicals. I think everybody looks over their shoulder to the left or to the right and goes, um, when am I getting cancer? If cancer is the greatest threat now, there's another serious concern that's looming. So many of these men and women now suffer um, from cognitive disorders, dementia, Alzheimer's, 
and um, it's linked now to the toxins from 9-11. Those conditions are not yet certified, but they are being studied. But let's start with the fire department. Dr. David Prezant is the chief medical officer. He sat down with our Peter Haskell and spoke about the surging numbers. Yes, un- unfortunately, uh, these illnesses and, and the deaths related to these illnesses keep climbing. And uh, we have a memorial every September where we add the names of those who have died from World Trade Center-related illnesses after 9-11. And this September, uh, we reached the number 299. And between September and now, in the, in the middle of October, we're somewhat over 300. Uh, if the past predicts the future, which it almost always does, uh, within two years, we will be over the 343, that, that tragic number uh, that FDNY firefighters and EMS members will, will never forget. And we will never forget the numbers that have occurred after 9-11. We don't forget them now when they're somewhat less than 343, and we won't forget them one, two, or three years later when we, when we surpass 343, which ultimately we will. But we also, in giving every one of those members their due respect and their, their, their heroic memory, we also need to remember for the, for the health of our current members, that the mortality rates for our workforce are in fact lower than what you'd expect. So every one of these deaths is tragic. But our members who have been exposed, that are living each day, that are going to these funerals each week, we want them to know that our data clearly shows that their survival is lengthened by participating in the World Trade Center Health Program, that we are saving lives every day. I cannot tell you how many cancer patients we have who have either been cured or who are in remission because of the treatment that we've provided to them. And this summer, this last summer, we published a groundbreaking study demonstrating that our World Trade Center Health Program members with cancer have longer survival rates than New York State population data for non-World Trade Center-related cancers with adjusted for the same age and diagnosis. So lives are being saved, lives are being prolonged, right? and we can never forget that. We have to honor those who have died We have to work hard, continue to work hard, to keep up what we have provided to most of our workforce, which is early diagnosis, early treatment, prolonged survival. You know, I'm curious to talk about the the things that you've mentioned, but you've, you've done a great job of tracking all of these things. Over the course of time, how many, how many advances have been made that have, uh, led to new treatments, to new protocols, to things like that, that have helped prolong lives, not just tracking and treating per se? Well, initially, uh, we were mostly dealing with respiratory diseases. Uh, And we have a long history at the fire department for having outstanding uh, pulmonary respiratory treatment. As the cancer numbers increased, 
we needed to develop new partnerships. We needed to develop partnerships with many of the health institutions that exist in New York City. And the Zadrog Act was incredibly, and the Zadrog Act was incredibly helpful for that. Every major medical center is now helping our patients as well as all the patients in the World Trade Center program dealing with their cancers, dealing with transplantation if they need that for treatment of their cancer or their respiratory illness. And, and this has been an amazing partnership so that when we promised our members coming out of 9-11 that we would give them the best care possible, we are doing that with the help of these major medical institutions. And I'm not sure if you've answered this, but it's fair to say that the advancements that have been made based on this program have led to treatments that have prolonged the lives of others who had nothing to do with 9-11. Absolutely. Uh, That's why, that's one of the reasons why we publish all of our our studies. And just to take a half step back about the, the illnesses and the deaths, over the course of time, have you seen an acceleration in the number of deaths per year, or is it pretty much a, 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 a constant without change? Change is inevitable, and rates vary from time to time. What I think is most important is not whether there's a, an increased rate over a particular day or week or month or even year, but what's happened over the last 21 years and what will be happening in the future. And that's what we've concentrated on here at FDNY. It's the overwhelming burden that we see to our members that we have to deal with. Doug, do you know how many people were on the job 9-11 and how many of them have developed 9-11 related illnesses? Well, we've had over 15,000 members who were exposed to the World Trade Center. Uh, both firefighters, EMS workers, and civilians that were employed by the FDNY. Uh, And we've had a few thousand retirees, retired before 9-11, that came in to help us during those days, weeks, and months thereafter. One of the critical things that we developed uh, immediately was what we call an exposure index. Uh, Because this was a multi-chemical, multi-particulate matter exposure, the standard ways of measuring exposure were not capable of being done. So what we did was we did something simple, something common sense, something experience-based by all the years we've had going to fires. And that was what anybody would say. Well, your exposure is probably going to be greatest on the day of 9-11 and great during the days thereafter. And then gradually, the dust is going to settle, the chemicals are going to settle. That doesn't mean your exposures end, but that your exposures, in comparison, will be lesser and less. And from a mental health perspective, same thing. So we came up with what we call our simple exposure based on arrival time, your initial arrival time. We add to that the duration of how many months you were down there, But what we found over all of our studies is arrival time predicts everything. And what we have in terms of numbers is that about 14% of our workforce, around 2,300 firefighters, EMS people, and to a certain extent even civilians that work for FDNY, were able to get down there to help actually during the morning of 9-11. And then... Over the next few days, 
we wound up having nearly 80% of our workforce exposed. And, and that is mind-boggling about how many of our firefighters and EMS workers were able to get down there so rapidly when, when the city was essentially paralyzed. So I think it said 15,000 exposed. Do you know how many of them have any kind of or some kind of 9-11 related condition? So we have about 15,500 in our medical monitoring program. But in terms of numbers with certified diseases, that means that they have reached the scientific credible evidence for the federal government to say, yes, you have that World Trade Center related disease and we are going to pay entirely for it. For that, uh, as of um, sometime uh, last year when our data, we, we relook at our data every year, we had 11,350 people with at least one certified condition, and most people have more than one certified condition. We had a little shy of 10,000 with at least one physical health certification predominantly respiratory disease, upper, lower, or GERD. We had over 3,000 with at least one cancer-related certification. Now, over 1,000 of those are skin tumors, many of which will not become a problem, but nearly 2,000 are cancers that we have to be seriously concerned about. And we had nearly 4,500 members with at least one mental health condition, many having both PTSD and depression, right? uh, but at least one mental health condition. There's a longer latency period for cancers, with the toxin silently attacking the body. Now there's a second wave of illnesses. When you're talking about cancer, you would anticipate that bloodborne diseases, leukemia, lymphoma, uh, would occur earlier than solid organ tumors. That's why in eight years, when we were the first to show that cancer rates were increased, uh, we were actually surprised that we saw an increase in cancer rates. Uh, I had thought that this would be more closer to 20 years. But what we're seeing now, 20 years plus later, uh, is more of these solid organ tumors. Uh, however, uh, numbers are not the scientific standard. It's rates compared to the general population. And remember that when we go to the National Institute of Occupational Safety and Health, we are advocating not just for our members, but we're advocating for everyone. And NIOSH needs to make scientific, credible decisions. So we have always been not just uh, driving to get the necessary treatment for our members, but we've also realized that we have to be data-driven in that advocacy not just compassion-driven advocacy. To be successful, you need data-driven advocacy. And that's what we've provided to the federal government. So yes, there have been numbers of cancers that are increased, but most importantly, the rate of these cancers have increased compared to the general U.S. population corrected for age, sex, race, etc. And we've been able to demonstrate that. An advantage in demonstrating this scientifically when it comes to cancer is the statewide cancer registries that are required in every state of the United States. 
so that there is documented rates in the general population that we're able to compare to. It's more difficult for some of the new diseases that we're looking for that lack these registries, scientifically valid registries, that can give us baseline rates in the general population. Specifically, I'm talking about autoimmune diseases. I'm talking about neurologic diseases. Another complexity in this, in comparing rates, is adjusting for age-related illnesses. So we know, for example, that as people get older, they have a higher incidence of cancer. As people get older, they have a higher incidence of cardiovascular disease. They have a higher incidence of dementia, uh, et cetera, et cetera. This is, this is common sense. It's not news to anyone. But NIOSH requires that all of our data be adjusted for age-related changes. And when you don't have scientifically valid registries for these diseases, such as autoimmune diseases, neurologic diseases, it's very hard to do convincing scientific data uh, to get these diseases covered. Uh, I believe that we have growing evidence to eventually be successful for adding autoimmune diseases, uh, but for these other diseases, such as dementia, uh, neurologic problems like peripheral neuropathy, uh, cardiovascular disease, diabetes. Uh, we, are, we are working hard to, to be able to study this and get the appropriate answers, but it, it is a very difficult uh, challenge to overcome. With that said, are there certain illnesses that you're keeping an eye on going forward because of the amount of time that's passed? Yes, the illnesses that I've mentioned, autoimmune diseases, and, and neurologic diseases primarily, but certainly we have an eye open on cardiovascular disease. We published a large study showing cardiovascular disease is increased in our World Trade Center population. We've published numerous studies showing that several autoimmune diseases are increased. And we have some collaborative research ongoing with, with Stony Brook, another clinical center of excellence at the World Trade Center, uh, looking at neurologic issues. So we are, we are working hard to be able to provide answers, whether those answers are an increase, the same, or a decrease. Are, are, we have to be scientifically open to whatever the answer is, but this is very difficult to do when registries are lacking in these areas. The fire department has been devastated by these conditions, and Prasant says it makes sense. It wasn't just the length of the exposure for many members, but the intensity. We were arguably the most exposed group of workers there because we were there on 9-11 and every day thereafter for nearly 10 months. The fires raged through the middle of December, and even after that, there were significant exposures as we unearthed the debris and trapped dust and trapped toxins were entered into the air. Uh, we had both physical and mental health aspects to our illnesses thereafter. Uh, we should not just focus on the physical. Uh, in terms of the physical, to start with, we initially saw a large number of respiratory illnesses, uh, and uh, those continue to this day. Those illnesses started off with what we call obstructive airways diseases, which are predominantly asthma, chronic bronchitis, COPD, and to a lesser extent, emphysema. They also included the upper respiratory system, which is sinus, sinusitis, vocal cord problems. 
and they included the aerodigestive tract because when you're inhaling these toxins, you're also swallowing them, not always in large amounts, but in significant amounts. So it included acid reflux, what is commonly referred to as GERD or heartburn. There's been a lot of evidence before 9-11 that these three areas of illness, lower respiratory system, upper respiratory system, and acid reflux are actually linked, and that the treatment of one requires the treatment of all three, and that it is common to actually have all three. And we have definitely found that in our workforce. Over time, new issues developed on the physical health side, and that is in predominantly two major areas. Number one, cancers, and then number two, uh, interstitial lung disease, sometimes called pulmonary fibrosis. We expect these type of illnesses not to be acute. It doesn't surprise us that they weren't there on day one. It would surprise us. It would be almost impossible for them to occur that rapidly. But over the first five to eight years, we started to notice increases in cancer rates. And those increases, while occurring more rapidly than we thought would happen, are scientifically plausible. And we were the first to demonstrate many of these illnesses, including the cancers. And we, our publications helped to convince NIOSH, the National Institute of Occupational Safety and Health, to fund uh, the treatment, the diagnosis and treatment of these illnesses. So that in 2013, we were able to add many cancers uh, to the list of World Trade Center covered conditions. We anticipated that we would start seeing interstitial lung diseases 20 years later. And that was based on scientific knowledge from asbestos exposures, even though asbestos was not the main problem down at the World Trade Center. It was one of many. While I have initially focused on the physical problems, we should never, never forget the mental problems that have occurred. Uh, our members uh, saw numbers of, of dead people that are still haunting them, uh, body parts, and in circumstances that are unimaginable, many times uh, their own co-workers, friends, and in certain instances even family members. Uh, to this day, we have members that despite treatment are still having nightmares still having post-traumatic stress disorder symptoms. And we've seen that over time, this sort of chronic PTSD, chronic post-traumatic stress disorder, has morphed into a depression. Uh, thankfully, with the treatment we've been able to provide through the NIOSH World Trade Center Health Program here at FDNY, uh, we've been able to lessen the impact of both the physical health problems as well as the mental health problems. Firefighters have a reputation for being stoic. It, is there or was there an issue with, with stigma in seeking mental health treatment? And is there any indication that some people might not have come forward until after they retired for fear of being seen as weak or something like that? Well, there are many reasons why people tend to uh, postpone uh, their coming forward with symptoms. 
Uh, one is the, the thought that we all have, but firefighters and EMS people in particular have, because they're such strong individuals, that these problems will go away. I, I had a bad cough when I had a cold. It took a few weeks to go away. This is much worse. It might take a few months. It might take a few years to go away. Uh, there's the stigma both uh, socially uh, as well as within their own families, uh, their own co-workers, their friends. Uh, and we try to reduce those barriers. And I think we've done a, a great job at reducing barriers uh, because the proof is that we have so many people that have come forward with their illness and have accepted our treatment uh, so that I, I know we've been successful in that. But again, we were only successful at it because we work together as a family. And, and I need to stress that because FDNY says they will never forget, but FDNY walked the talk. Right? We were the first to offer World Trade Center medical monitoring exams four weeks after 9-11. We started treatment that day because our doctors, including myself, were down there that day. FDNY had pre-9-11 medical monitoring, and that meant we had health data prior to 9-11. When we went to Congress in the first few years, the congressional leaders would often say, we understand our heart goes out to you, but common sense would say, these are symptoms. Maybe they're not illnesses. Maybe they won't last forever. How can we prove this? We were able to go back to them over the next few years with documented evidence that things had changed, not only symptoms, but pulmonary function tests, cancer rates, and this is what led to them finally saying, there's no, pro there's no longer an issue that this is real. It's just now, how do we find the money? Last question, and you might have answered this, but I'll pose it anyway. Going forward, what's your biggest concern now? If you had asked me that question 15 years ago, I would have said my biggest concern is that people will forget, that funding will dry up, that members will become just accepting of their condition and, and not expecting uh, anyone to find out about it or help them with it because they're so strong and so stoic. Uh, but now uh, I have been so, so hopeful based on what has actually happened. The funding now is permanent, though every few years new dollars have to be allocated to it, and right now we will need to be fighting for that. Ah yes, finding the money. It's a recurring theme in the story of 9-11 illnesses. First responders had to shame Congress into funding the World Trade Center Health Program and the Victim Compensation Fund. But with more people entering the program and medical costs rising, another $3 billion is needed. That's where John Feel comes in. Feel was part of the recovery effort at Ground Zero and was injured. He then became a fiery and fearsome advocate who's been instrumental in getting legislation passed. He spoke to Peter Haskell about filling the funding gap. I'm guaranteeing 100% I'm confident that we will get it done by the end of the year. We have two larger vehicles to attach our bill to it. 
Um, the Omnibus will be the last bill of the year, but the NDAA will go before that, and I'm confident with uh, Senator Schumer and Gillibrand, um, we're going to get it attached to the NDAA, and um, we're going to ease the the worries of the 9-11 community, not just responders, but survivors as well. And um, if we don't get that money, the worst-case scenario, um, people will not get their medications mailed in the mail. Um, people's appointments will be canceled. Um, peer reviews and research studies will be um, cut off. And many doctors and nurses would uh, have to quit and go find jobs because um, they'll become part-time employees or they'll just be let go. And that's the worst-case scenario. We get that $3 billion, and we will. Um, everything will be back to normal. And um, a lot of that money will be dedicated to research and outreach. You know, that's 118,000-plus people now in the World Trade Center Health Program. But what's more staggering to me is over 25,000 of them have a certified 9-11 related cancer. What's staggering to me is more than 50% of them have more than one illness. This is a generation-long illness, and um, not just Congress and the Senate, but the, the centers of excellence that treat us and monitor us, everybody's got to evolve with us. We're evolving for the worst. I've said this many times during the... Uh, the anniversary of this year, the first 20 years um, decimated the 9-11 community. Now we're being eradicated, and we are a finite number. And um, I was 34 years old on 9-11 when I was injured. I'm going to be 56 in three weeks, and um, this is all I know, and this is the rest of my life. I'm going to die doing this, Peter, and hopefully by that time... Um, I will have left my mark that we've helped enough people. Take a step back. What is the NDAA? Uh, it's the National Defense Budget. It's the military budget. Um, and, uh, <laughs> you know, the military gets a lot of money every year um, unchecked. And um, a lot of times on such large pieces of legislation, they attach smaller pieces of legislation. A lot of negotiating is done by both sides because they want to add something, the other side wants to add something, and um, luckily the Senate Majority Leader is from New York, and he heard my plea. Um, why wait, right? So it's important that we get this done. This has been an ongoing battle for more than a decade, and you, you're constantly going to need to add money. What happens five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now? What if you decide you can't do it or you don't want to do it? I mean, how, how do we continue fighting this battle going forward? Yeah, um, today's um, October 25th, 2022. I don't want to do it anymore. I have no choice but to do it. But the farther you get away, I would think the more difficult it's going to be to convince members of Congress that this is something that is desperately needed. Oh, absolutely. Um, the further we get away from 9-11, it's just harder to help the individual and it's harder to help the masses. And it's harder to educate a member of Congress who just got uh, elected um, to um, show them the importance and the urgency and making sure that the 9-11 community, which is a finite number between survivors and responders, that they get every 
necessary tool to prolong their life and make sure that their families are taken care of when these men and women in uniform and non-uniform pass away. It's that simple. But this story is not over. There are still people getting sick all the time. And those who responded or worked or lived downtown are dealing with the possibility they might become the next victims. I think everybody looks over their shoulder to the left or to the right and goes, um, when am I getting cancer? And, um, I mean, that scares me. You know what scares me, though? Um, you know, um, I mean, you know, Peter, if I got cancer, I got cancer. Um, what scares me is um, all of these new studies with the cognitive disorders. Um, I came into this world whole, and I want to leave this world whole, and I want to know my loved ones are looking at me when I'm laying on my deathbed. And um, so many of these men and women now suffer um, from cognitive disorders, dementia, Alzheimer's, and um, it's linked now to the toxins from 9-11. What is your biggest concern going forward? That all principal parties in the 9-11 community, whether it's a law firm that's doing VCF claims, the centers of excellence that treat us and monitor us, elected officials, especially here in New York, that everybody evolves with us because we're evolving for the worst. And, um, you know, the average age now is about 60 years old, and um, these men and women need better care. And they, you know, when you have cancer and you're 60, your immune system's a little weaker than when you're 30 and have cancer. When you have all of these other life threatening, altering diseases, you need special care. And the federal government's got to be able to provide that special care and evolve with us. It's just that simple. You know, I'm curious. You have been fighting this battle for a long time now. How, how did this get started for you? Out of, out of denial, out of anger. Um, I sit here today as an angry man. Um, but I use my anger towards positive energy. And, um, you know, before everybody got sick, I got denied benefits. I got hurt. And um, while everybody else had to prove that they got sick because of the aftermath of 9-11, I had nothing to prove. I had a documented injury. And I had to fight for my workman's comp. I had to fight for Social Security. I had to fight for a lawsuit. I had to fight for the BCF. And um, 21 years of obstacles and hurdles. And then, more importantly, I had to fight for legislation for the masses. This is no longer about me. I pale in comparison. I'm tiny. I'm small. I'm insignificant to those who are deathly ill or who have died. And um, I will die angry, but I want to die fulfilled. And I'm not there yet. Do you, would you say that you're optimistic about where this whole thing goes? For all of those who got sick and died after, or all of those who got sick and are still suffering, part of them died that day, but they're suffering. And um, it's hard to be optimistic. I mean, I'm a, by nature, I'm an optimistic person. I'm a positive person because um, I'm never going to say I'm going to fail. I'm never going to say we can't do this. Um, but we, including myself, especially myself, the lawyers, the doctors, the elected officials, the government officials, everybody needs to do a better job. Everybody needs to check their ego at the door and put humanity first. And there's a couple hundred thousand people affected by 
and it's at the mat that need special treatment. All right, John, anything you want to add? I think you interviewed me a little over a decade ago the first time, and um, it's been an honor and a pleasure to, um, to see you um, always covering 9-11 stories. And um, you've been our sword, and it's the media that has helped us with the minor victories, getting legislation passed or getting a glade done at the 9-11 memorial or getting somebody help. Um, and um, you, CBS Radio, and everybody else in the media that's helped us. So it's been an honor, my friend. I appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Our executive producers for 880 In-Depth are Peter Haskell and Tim Scheld. Both of them are leaving WCBS. Peter has been devoted to these stories for the past 21 years, and Tim, as brand manager, has made sure the station remained committed to covering these issues. We're losing two great journalists and two great friends. They will both be sorely missed. I'm Michael Wallace. Thanks for listening, and never forget. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 